everybody. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman. Happy Healthy You is about living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. And if you're new to our podcast, I just want to tell you a little bit about it. We talk about everything from things we can do to live a healthier life to things we can do to enhance our spiritual growth and our emotional life. And we laugh a lot and we cry sometimes and it's all good. So this podcast is uh, dedicated to Becky and Paul. I just want to give a shout out to them because I ran into Becky at a wedding this week and she said, I listen every week. I have, I have the iTunes RSS feed coming to my email address. And I was so excited that Becky said that because I really wasn't sure anybody was listening. So hi, Becky, this one's for you. So this week, Becky, who's been working in the public school system for 30 years, is kind of considering uh, changing careers, doing something that's really meaningful. And Becky, I think you're going to like this and everyone else will as well. Do Judy Goldblum Carlton is my guest today. And if she doesn't have a career that has meaning and passion, then I don't know who does. She's worked with young cancer patients and their families for more than 40 years at University of California Medical Center at San Francisco, San Francisco General Hospital, the University of Maryland Hospital for Children, and other medical facilities. In her role as Dr. Lollipop, humor therapist, Judy has brought comfort and smiles to so many critically ill patients. In addition, Judy has given humor therapy workshops to doctors and other medical staff with the purpose of teaching varied approaches that can alleviate fear and reduce stress for patients. Judy, welcome. <laughs> Dr. Lollipop, I should say. Hi. <laughs> hi, Becky. <laughs> oh, Becky will be so excited that Dr. Lollipop said hi. Oh, Judy, gosh, when I saw your website and your Indiegogo campaign, I was just so inspired by the work that you do. Dr. Lollipop, how much fun is it to go in there and just work with these cancer patients? Tell, tell us how you came to pursue this career for yourself. Well, I, I actually started at five when I was cheering up Holocaust sur survivors in the family and, their, and my parents' friends. And um, I noticed at that age when I could make Mrs. Eilberg laugh that for even just an instant, the agony would subside in her face and she would laugh. And I knew at five that it was healthy to laugh. Mm -hmm. And that's when this career chose me. Wow. So we're all looking for our purpose. <laughs> I yeah. know I'm constantly looking for my purpose, even though I've probably found it. But I'm, you know, there's always something you else. So you found it at age five. Now, your dad was a doctor. Yes. And he used to take me on his rounds at the hospital to tell his patients jokes. And he always said, Judy Merrill, no medicine in the world will help a patient who's given up their will to live. Laughter is the best medicine. So how did you get started as a, a laughter therapist and, and um, start working with these Well, kids? I was working at the University of California Medical Center in San Francisco as a cardiopulmonary technician. And I just thought I would start out uh, and became the Easter Bunny. <laughs> and uh, it was just amazing because children that didn't talk to anybody would confide in the Easter Bunny. But it was seasonal work. <laughs> and um, so I decided to pursue a, a clown doctor. In those days, I wore 
clown makeup. Years ago, I stopped wearing it and went back to just nothing. I don't wear anything funny or that's too much that says clown. Because <laughs> some people have a clown phobia. Just... I do, too. <laughs> and uh, when I was at the first international festival of clowns in Russia, um, the clowns would point at my face and say, Bolshoi, which meant big with the clown makeup. And I, they talked me into going without it. And it's funny because my father said all along, you don't need that clown makeup to be funny. You're much funnier without it. You know, people expect you to be funny when you're wearing clown makeup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. And, uh, and it became a necessity when I was in the um, treatment rooms with the children or when they were being examined. That, that clown attire is very cumbersome. Yeah, I would think. And it isn't. And clowns scared me. <laughs> I don't know how I became a clown, but I thought I needed that disguise. Now, and, at that uh, time, was anybody else doing this kind of work? Uh, not that I knew of, but shortly after I started, someone introduced me to Dr. Bill Fry at, um, at Stanford. He was a psychiatrist, and during medical school, they asked him to do a project, What Happens Physically When You Laugh? And the results were so good that he had continued it through his whole life, researching the curative value of humor. And he, he helped me a lot, and he was a great, great person. He really had a way of networking you to every friend he had and every little tiny group that started on humor therapy. So this started with a, a, your dad and your experience with him and his good influence on you. And then when you, when you started working in hospitals yourself, you had this intuition that that this might be something that would help. Right. So when did Dr. Lollipop come into the, the picture? Well, I, when I was living in San Francisco in 1972, I went into a little junk store, we used to call them, and the man was so funny. I said, could you give me a name a cl- for a clown doctor? And he said, Dr. Lollipop, a real sucker. You know, <laughs> and you open your coat and all these suckers. And... Um, during the 70s, it kind of worked against me because of the criticism of sugar. And I finally actually dropped doctor when somebody thought I was a real doctor and asked if children with cancer were radioactive. So but, it's evolved over the years. <laughs> it well, has. Well, I must say another reason I wanted to bring you in is because I had a six-year-old who died with a um, heart and lung problem. She was undiagnosed until she was almost two. And when she was rushed to Children's Hospital in Boston with RSV, which is just a common cold for most kids, but for kids with any heart issues, um, it can be life-threatening. So we were rushed in, in there to Boston, and our first experience with doctors and nurses in a children's hospital was amazing. I must say, those people who work in that field, and I'm sure yourself included, are like miracle workers. They know how to deal with children. They are true. so skilled, and, and they do get the idea of you know, humor and keeping things light. And when I had my first breakdown, when they first told me she had a a heart condition, I remember a nurse coming up to me and saying, okay, 
get it out. Let's get it over with. And then we have work to do. We have to, you know, figure this out. And she was such a godsend to me. So right. I am so appreciative of everybody. And Thank you. they also, they have, you know, these child life specialists and mm-hmm. people who work with the kids to keep right. their spirits up. Oh, they're wonderful. It's yes. amazing. So and it's interesting because when I was in school and at Boston University, I I volunteered at Boston Children's Hospital, and they asked, "Where, which ward would you like to be on? They called them wards back then. And I said, well, I'd like to work with the children with cancer. And that is actually where I started going into rooms and just telling funny stories. I mean, my life is just full of crazy things happening to me. And I didn't wear anything that identified me. I didn't have the candy striper little polka dots or anything. And um, it worked so well. It was just wonderful. And and that was where it began. So what is it all about and how do you how do you work with these kids? Like now now, how has it evolved to today? Um well I think everybody looks for the lowest common denominator to make people laugh when you do it over and over. And I have lots of material just, you know, I know that no one's ever been beamed up because if they had, they would have taken me first. (laughs) The coincidences in my life. But I've always uh, gotten along well with children, and I learned very quickly on to get down on their level to talk to them. And look, you don't want to actually look a child that you first meet who is in a hospital. You don't want to look at them directly. But I use a little prop called the D-Light. It's a thumb tip that I showed you. Okay. And, you know, it's great because it fits on your thumb. You only see the back of it. And I work around the children and... I go over and I pull the light out of their mother's ears or get her to blow <laughs> it out. That's really cool. She's it, lighting it up right now. Oh, yeah. I wish you guys could and see it. Uh, then I, the children realize I'm a friend. Yeah. And, and so the minute after they, that, they, you've got them. You've right. Got them. We all in the oncology department around the uh, table where they had their first bone marrow aspiration, whenever I can get the child to blow out the thumb light on his own, Everybody sighs. They are so relieved. And uh, it's been the best little gadget I've ever had and fits in one pocket. So I get a lot of mileage out of it. Yeah. And so once you break the ice with your thumb light, (laughs) (laughs) what other tricks do you have up your sleeve? I actually use this through an entire procedure, an IV insertion, um, to keep them occupied. And I have little twinkly things that I pull the light off of and as when they blow the light out it relaxes them Mm. and you know the other thing is the number one thing that makes a child in a hospital laugh is when they've scared an adult (laughs) and that's what I did in my training program I said your homework is to watch Kramer on this on Seinfeld because he's mastered the art of looking scared he he just does it perfectly and uh, really, it's throw your hands on your face and say, oh, you scared me. And they laugh. It is harder to get a child to stop laughing than to make a small child laugh with using, you scared me. <laughs> <laughs> and I always, and, and part of my class is, and then you say, well, I won't, if you don't scare me, I won't, I'll try not to scare you. 
and will help you feel better. Yeah, and it really is true. And the more dramatic you are, it's just you can go on and on and on, and the whole family laughs. When one starts laughing, it triggers a response, and it's like a, you know, just dominoes tumbling over. Well, there's so much tension as a parent of a child. There's so much tension in the hospital, and you're just so worried about how your child is feeling all the time and how they're going to respond to different treatments, and it's just to have the opportunity to release some of that tension yeah. is such a gift. And, and you know, um, one of our nurses said to me, Lollipop, I don't know if you're here for the patients or their families. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. she said it's really good when they see their families laughing. And it doesn't seem as serious when here's mom over here with her hair and I wrap tinfoil in her hair, just anything to get them to chuckle and and lighten up and let me look at them. Mm. You you told me a story before we started this podcast about a little boy who had been, um, you know, vomiting from his chemotherapy treatments and he comes out of the bathroom and tell us what he said. He wiped his hand on his sleeve and he was three years old and he came up to me and said, gee, Dr. Lollipop, I didn't know it was going to be so much fun to have cancer. Oh, his name was Lee, and he was the most fun child I have ever known. He was equally as much fun or more than I was. And you have another story I noticed on your Indiegogo page. Um, was it Ben who wrote? He he had been a childhood cancer. So right. He was a, he's a survivor, mm-hmm. and he went on to medical school, <laughs> yes. probably inspired by you. Oh, I, I he's very funny. I will say that. I'm I, Hopefully, I inspired that. Um but he was wonderful, and he just used to love to come to the hospital, and we'd go around the hospital in lab coats and with sticky body parts and, and uh, you know, a specimen jar, and we'd show it to <laughs> pull it out. This is where we drop this ear off. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I guess people never knew what they were going to get when you walked onto the, the yeah, floor. <laughs> you know what? Since I didn't wear anything that identified me, I could get away with it. Are the pop rocks in the specimen jar that are popping around? And I said to him, do you know where we would drop off uh, kidney stones for us <laughs> for testing? And the man looked at us and, oh and goes, no, I, sh- I don't. And then I said, I'm hungry. And Ben and I started eating the candy. <laughs> And and um, his son asked if he could have a piece. And I looked at the father. He says, sure. <laughs> and then I said to Ben, oh, my God, you don't think they count the stones, do you? Because it dawned on me. But so it, yeah. There were missing kidney stones in that hospital. Right? Yeah, it was quite so, fun. Do you think you have to have, do you feel like you have a, um, a natural comedic talent? Like if somebody was interested, like Becky, if somebody um, wanted to pursue something like this, do you, do you necessarily have to start with that? That No, not at all. What does it take to do something well, like this? For me, I started out by putting a joke book in my parents' great big, you know, look it up in the dictionary, dictionary. And I started reading jokes, which probably weren't very funny, and telling them. And then I I just started noticing what made people laugh. I mean, in the hospital once, I had a kick-me sign 
on my back. <laughs> and I knew it was there. And um, and people didn't want to come out and laugh behind because they were behind me. And But when they got out of the elevator, they exploded. So, I mean, if you notice people, res- how they respond to somebody have, having some toilet paper stuck on the bottom of their shoe, <laughs> you can just do that yourself. <laughs> and it's not really that easy to stick pay- toilet paper on the bottom of your yeah, shoe. Yeah, that's that does take some talent, I would say. You always want to leave them laughing, but no, you need need no comedic uh, DNA. <laughs> you just need a heart for the... For yes, and the humor is all around you. And if you open your eyes and your heart, you, you'll see all, all the opportunities to make people laugh where you are sitting. Yeah, we all need more of that. So now you have a new um, project, which is the Mask Project. Can you talk about that? Yes. It's called Marie's Mask. And um, it stemmed from, for me, when I had my tonsils out when I was five years old. And after that, I had nightmares that I was being chased down the stairs at steps of the house by giants and draped in white with no faces. I started researching the faces that would be good on a medical mask to take the place of the blank mass, which Marie referred to as as monstrous giants with and no faces. Who's Marie? Marie was a little girl that was in treatment at the University of Maryland Hospital for Children. I knew her for about three years, and she was just so bright. One weekend, her parents asked if she and her brother could stay overnight with me, and it was one thirty in the morning. And I said, Marie, don't you want to go to sleep? She said, No, the monsters will get me. And I said, Marie, what do they look like? And she said, they're giants with no faces. And um, I knew what she was talking about. I told her that together we were going to do something to scare those monsters away so no other children would be frightened. And it's not just a child's fear. It's an adult fear even more, especially with um, dementia patients and elderly because the blankness... Is like an alien coming to get them. And does it seem like, are, is it true that there are more masks in hospitals nowadays than ever before because oh, of yeah. the, the... Well, not just hospitals. They have them in shopping centers, and I hope that we will be in shopping center, you know, a little kiosk uh, where you, instead of taking a newspaper, you take a yeah. mask. And um, people are very germ conscious and, and scared of the epidemic uh, flu. and Right, right. So you researched the faces that would right. most people would most favorably respond to on a mask. I and watched, what did you come yeah, up with? <laughs> it's very funny. Unfortunately, I had too, so much experience with their fears that I could recognize in a, less than a second what what was going to scare them and it always started with a quick in you know inspira- ins- inhalation like <gasps> you know you'll always sure. notice that and then then it all lets loose um i look particularly at what child would jump out of a mother's arm and grab at a medical staff a doctor's face you know reach for just a something welcoming about it 
And I had noses here and, you know, the mouse. And I also noticed that through history, buck teeth have always been in cartoons. And they, <laughs> it's, Edgar, I mean, yeah. what's, what's his name? Um, Bugs Bunny. Bugs, <laughs> Bugs Bunny, but Alfred I, D. Newman. I, and the face really, when I had artists draw all these parts, kept coming back to Dave Letterman, Prince Charles, or really the entire royal family has that silly grin. The caricature, right, right. Yeah, and, um, and my brother, who's a pediatrician. And so we're, we started with Randy's face. I mean, he is like a baby magnet. And in our family, we compete to see who gets the first laugh out of a new baby in the family. Oh, <laughs> and he gosh. always wins. I but would he, love to he, be at your uh, house on holidays. Yes, yeah, so it was. <laughs> and uh, he's silly, and he has a long nose, and they grab at that nose. And um, I believe they came out with a puppet called Radical Randy Puppet. And he gets on the little tricycles. He, he's very, very funny. So you've created these masks, and you're actually, you have an Indiegogo campaign now. Right, People can right. go on the Indiegogo campaign because you're, you're trying to spread spread this all over. This is your new right. mission, it's, right? Right. Uh, it's thought I want it to be global because people laugh in every country, and and they have heroes in their country that we could use for the faces on the mask, the heroes, the sports heroes, celebrities that are recognizable in England and India, people in their country. Hmm. Because, Interesting. Right. Because you want you want the mass to re- be reflective of people that are good, that people really love in their own community. Right. So if somebody is interested in finding out more about your work, possibly learning how to do what you do or get involved with funding your latest project, how would they find you? Um, They could go to Indiegogo, I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O, and our project title is Masks, plural, of Marie, but no apostrophes because their computer doesn't like apostrophes, has a glitch. <laughs> so no one could find us for about a week or 10 days with Marie's mask. So uh, also, I, we are trying to develop a printing process of the mask when they're flat fabric. And any help or advice that people could share of 3D printing or injection molding would really be helpful because... At this point, we print with a pad printer, and it's it's cumbersome, and it you can only use a certain area. Okay. And we have um, some holiday special masks coming out, and right now we're printing our first run of the Randy mask. Oh, the I Randys. can't wait to see that. I know so, you'll see it soon in a couple of and days. And you also have a website. And we have a website. It's uh, drlollipop.com. Any variation of that will get you there because Dr. Lollipoop would leave even work. Dr. Lollipoop. <laughs> as the urologist went oh, as. Judy, I was going to ask you to leave us with a joke, but you just did. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for telling us about your great oh, work. I'm you. so in awe of you, and I'm sure Becky is too. What do you think, Becky? Becky? 
you can you go, go, girl. <laughs> so keep a, keep in touch and let us know how the masks project is advancing because I'm sure it's going to be picked up by some amazing sponsors. We are you looking will... for a corporate sponsor as we speak. Awesome. Thank you so much, Judy. Thank you.